1: hi everyone this is sam before we start this is a reminder about my book sort your head out mental health without all the bollocks which is now a bestseller on amazon thanks to everyone who's bought it and given it such wonderful reviews so far if you haven't bought it yet then head over to amazon where it's available in hardback kindle edition and audiobook version narrated by me You can also buy signed and dedicated copies via my website, samdelaney.co.uk or from my local bookshop, barnesbookshop.co.uk. If you call or email them, they'll sort it out. Anyway, on with this week's episode. Hello and welcome to The Reset, a mental health podcast without all the bollocks. I'm Sam Delaney. My guest this week is the life coach, sobriety advocate and founder of sobriety app, Dry, Matt Pink. I came across Matt on Instagram where he goes by the moniker Better Life Guy. I like the way he spoke about sober life and I wanted to know more about his story. There are many different ways of getting sober. Not everyone chooses AA and 12 steps or any sort of therapy. Some people do it alone. Some people, like me, mix and match with various different forms of support and guidance. So how did Matt do it? Why did he decide to quit drink? And how is he helping others do the same? I couldn't wait to find out. I hope you enjoy listening to our chat. Matt Pink, welcome to The Reset. How are you, mate? I'm very well. Um, It's a real pleasure to meet you. Thanks so much for taking time to come on the pod. Uh, Matt, I've been a big fan of your content, particularly on Instagram, for a few months now. I wanted to know more. Uh, Tell me about your journey, starting with why and when you got sober. Mate, it's deep and it's long, and I'm
0: sure many people have heard it, but I'll try and keep it fairly brief. Um, but basically I've been sober since April 2020, so mid-lockdown, um, was when I first went sober, but it went back a little bit. As a growing up, I was yeah, a normal sort of normal lad, normal drinker, I'd say, inverted mm-hmm. commas. Uh had loads of mates, went out of the weekends. Um, yeah got pissed, started doing a bit of drugs, smoking, the usual sort of stuff that you do as a 25 to 30 year old lad, really. Um, but I'd say it's pretty normal, especially where I grew up. Mm. Um, and yeah, so at the same time, I was I had a good job and uh, decent money, married, had kids. And uh, unfortunately, in 2013, my son died um, suddenly uh, from sudden infant death syndrome. And... Uh, then my, my relationship with alcohol sort of changed in that moment. I started relying on it uh, for sort of to help me with the pain or to help me sleep or whatever. Um, and, yeah, so from then on, it sort of flipped a switch. It went from something that I, I wanted to something that I needed. Um, and then I went on a bit of a downward spiral, really. From there, it, it, I was still a fairly normal drinker. picked myself back up a few, few months later. I tried to get back to work and tried to reintegrate myself back into society, but I was pretty – obviously broken um and yeah then i suppose at at the same time i'd I'd got a bit older i'd earned a bit more money i was a bit more trapped in my job because that's what happens to people generally you don't really think at the time you think you're going to climb a ladder and it's going to be more money and more freedom but what happens is you end up climbing a ladder you have more money and then you're fucked because you're trapped um so that was that adds its own level of pressure um on top of that trying to keep myself you know alive really trying to keep the marriage afloat and all that and it ended up basically in disaster and marriage broke up uh lost sort of everything I sort of worked so hard to build um house um I, did, I didn't lose my job but I lost pretty much everything else and um I was down it didn't really have anything going for me didn't want to have anything going for me felt really bottomed out didn't really want to be here anymore um and then i had a mad moment where i had like a spiritual moment where some i'd been to see a spiritualist uh to sort of help with the pain because i was struggling with like counselor or therapy i just didn't really get on with it I Saw a spiritualist and i thought i was a load of bullshit um initially but then when i went to see her i was like it changed everything for me and uh she told me that he was all right and he was a recurring spirit and he'd been here before and he'll be here again and he's being looked after and all that so it put my mind at rest and from then on i sort of had a bit of a spiritual connection and then uh when i was at my worst rock bottom nowhere to live nowhere to go didn't know what i was doing from one day to the next i had this guy come up to me in regent street and uh, he approached me out of nowhere came up to me and just he said he needs to talk to me and um he basically put me back it, it was a it's really hard to explain but if anyone's had this before but he literally picked me out of a crowd. Started telling me I need to stop drinking, stop smoking, stop doing these bad things. You're going to, you're a good guy. You've got a lot going for you. You're going to help a lot of people in life. You're going to live to your ninety six. You've got, you've got a kid that's very close to you. You've got very close to a flower. My daughter's name's Lily, and I would started seeing a girl who began. With the, her name was Kirsty, which began with the letter K. And he was going K. You need to go to k K. I'm follow follow K. Follow K. So I ended up sort of going seeing kirsty uh moved in with her and um from then on started to uh take breaks from alcohol because at that point i'd found i'd found sort of uh, happiness again i had been put back on the track and uh i started taking a few days off started taking a few well i think a few days off then a few weeks off never got to months off um and then the lockdown came around And by that point, I sort of was back up and running, felt a bit more like myself, had a new missus, felt back in the game, had had found the world of sobriety online um, for the first time, didn't know that existed, and decided that that was going to be me. And I woke up one day and thought, that's it, this is the day it's going to happen, 21st of April 2020, and I'd had enough in my back pocket to know what it felt like for two weeks doing it, and felt like, and also at the same time, I knew what it felt like for two weeks drinking. So I knew both sides of it, and I'd had enough, and that was it. And from then on,
1: I haven't looked back. Two and a half, nearly three years later. What an incredible story! Absolutely incredible, mate. Um, I don't know where to start. With my next question: I mean, in two thousand thirteen, when that tragedy happened and your son died, you say you turned to drink. Was there anything else that you? tried to do at the time alongside the drinking to sort of process what you were going through yeah I mean I was working in a good job and they put me in a, like a real high end counselling
0: sessions in central London that didn't work therapy didn't really work for me I just didn't feel like I wanted to talk to a random stranger about it mm. so I tried those things I tried drinking obviously drugs, smoking pretty much anything I could get my hands on that would try and get me out of this current moment and mm. um, and then obviously the thing that did work for me was the spiritualist, but that didn't happen for a while. But also another thing that worked for me was running. I'd started taking that up at some points, um, but I just couldn't, I weren't consistent enough with it because I was drinking as well. So I'd do it. I'd be like, this is good. I feel better. Um, start clearing my own head. And then I'd go home and think, well, it's Friday, I'll have a few beers and don't run again for another week. So that that was something I knew I found and I almost kept it in my back pocket and um, and sort of then that come back out when I, when I went sober, I started
1: running all over the place, especially in lockdown. Brilliant. Um, when uh, you talk about, you know, growing up, it was pretty normal to get on the piss and all the rest of it. And I'm sure a lot of us listening can relate to that because it's part of being a lad and growing up in this country. Um, did you find that, you know, because of that, drinking and even drinking to excess... Never really seemed like a big deal to you until it was sort of almost too late and it had become a problem. It's sort of, I've got this theory that amongst, you know, lads in Britain, the whole booze thing just creeps up on you because you never seem to be anywhere near the worst in your little group. Yeah, 100%, mate. Like now I look back and think, fucking hell, the stuff we were doing
0: really is madness. And, uh, but it was totally normal, right? For, for being a lad, like you just, that's what you do. You look, you, you get a bit you do a bit more, you do a bit more of that, you go on stag do's, you take it to like real extremes, yeah. you know, and that's but that's not you don't come away from it thinking that was really abnormal. You think fucking hell. That was a good laugh. Um and you you laugh about it with your mates, even you know, ten years later you're still laughing about it. So but now you think I don't know how much of that goes on these days. It's definitely changing times. I'm not sure it's quite as extreme
1: as we as we were. Yeah, it's weird. I suppose it's like everyone does it. Or everyone you know does it, and so it's nothing seems weird. When you get sober, you start to engage with different sorts of people who might never have been up to no good like that. And you, only then do you reflect on on your behaviours for years and think, Jesus Christ, that wasn't normal. Just wasn't normal. And it's such a, an eye opener. Do you, do you have regrets, or do you, are you the sort of person who thinks, well, it was fun while it lasted? but then it went too far and I don't regret, you know, what happened when I was younger.
0: Yeah. I don't regret anything, mate. I don't, um, I I honestly don't. And I I don't think I'd be here. I said, this to my dad the other day. Actually I said, I don't think I'm actually grateful for my, my past, even though it's been really traumatic and deep and done a lot of silly things, but I'm grateful for it because I'm now in a place where I'm 40 this year and I feel like the rest of my life is ahead of me. I feel like I'm going to be clean and sober for it. I'm going to help loads of people in the process. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to start my own business. And I'd never would have done all that. I would have just been a bod in an office in London mm. doing what everyone else does on the commute, you know, for five weeks holiday a year, two weeks in the summer, you know, a few days off at Christmas. That And that isn't a life a i now look, look back at that and think that's crazy just as much as I think the stuff I used to do as a lad was crazy mm.
1: um so yeah if I had not gone through all this I wouldn't be where I am today so I don't regret any of it um what was it like with your mates when you when you did get sober Clearly, you've grown up in this sort of laddie culture it can be difficult uh because obviously all your mates m- might be still living the same life how did you find that
0: yeah, it's always difficult, isn't it? My because rea- I didn't really have any advice, and this is why I'm passionate about doing what I do now because I feel like my videos might be able to help people. Sort of in a in a one minute video, I might give some people some direction because I didn't know what I was doing. I thought, right, what am I going to do here? I told them they obviously sort of some of them take the piss, some of them don't believe you, some of them say, well, fair play, some of them actually even do it with you. Um, mm. So you get like the spectrum of all of it, really. But either way, I dealt with it, it was really. I was quite fortunate because it was the lockdown. I sort of ran away a little bit and just thought, right, I need to just do it for myself and like stay out of any sort of situation, stay away from any event, which is the opposite of what I'd normally do. But it, it worked for me. And also at the same time, I found, I found new friends intentionally. I went out on a mission to find new friends who were sort of fit, healthy, successful. And I did that as well. And it wasn't like I wanted to put my old mates in the bin. It was just, I wanted to evolve. Um, and yeah, actually, weirdly, now I see, a, when I see my sort of schoolmates, uh, we all go out for a curry or whatever, and probably three out of 10 of us, so sort of, yeah, 30% of us, sometimes more, aren't even drinking. And that's been a sort of influence of of me sort of being the beacon of change, I think, not like mm. blowing my trumpet, but just having the courage to do it. And then other people are like, oh, yeah, because it's, it's literally sometimes it is just like, oh, yeah, that's an option. Whereas it just doesn't figure in your brain before, so... And that's quite nice now to see that. And I think that that will probably, that number will grow, that percentage will grow as well as we go on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose what you've been able to do as well by the sounds of things is after, you know, in some ways, it's true for a lot of people, there was a blessing in lockdown because it allowed you to sort of go to ground and do what you had to do. But now, out the other side, you are still able to go out, be one of the lads and have a laugh, but do it without a drink in your hand. And that is a, quite a... It, it big inspiration to other blokes around you, because I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I thought of sober guy as weird guy who was boring, and either didn't go out, or if he did go out, he was a bit of a drag. So if you can go out and still be one of the lads, but without a drink, that sends out a powerful message, doesn't it?
0: Does mate, yeah. And also the places that we go to now are much more geared up for it. There. There's alcohol-free beers everywhere. And yeah. They're much better than they used to be. See many people drinking them. Yeah, you know, I think so. I think the whole thing's set up for that now. I'm not, I'm not going to say that I go out and I'm the life and soul of the party because I can sort of go, show up, put in a good shift, enjoy myself, and then when, as the sort of fourth or fifth beers start coming around, and the conversation starts repeating itself i do i just get off because i think no one's no one's listening anymore and it's like um let them get on with it sort of thing so I, I put in a good shift for the first
1: few hours but i like to be home by sort of 10 11 o'clock where i can i'm just the same but that that's what it's all about really isn't it and i always say no one especially when they're drinking no one notices or cares or remembers when you left so i just wait and when there's a certain number of drinks i'm gone and no one, it doesn't make any difference to anyone. And then you get home, but I suppose the point is, you still show up, you still show up, still enjoy yourself. You just you, your boundaries have changed a bit. What about um, fatherhood, mate? How's it? How's it had an impact on that and your relationship with your daughter? Well, I've, I've since had another three kids. Wow. So. What <laughs> since twenty twenty? Yeah, uh,
0: no, wow. since uh, no, no, since uh, rock since I lost my boy in two thousand. Oh, right, sorry, yeah. So I had a uh, son in 2015 I had another son in 2016 and I had a daughter last year um, so it's a full house here mate um, right. which, but do you know what that's what that's probably indicative of like my priorities in life now because before you sort of you grow up you think I've got to have good, I've got to have a job I've got to get married I've got to have kids whereas when that happened I was like fucking lucky to have kids and mm. actually when you're sober you, you realise that actually they are really everything in life and me being around them sober and being involved with them and like, listening to them and wanting to play with them and all that stuff like i do it every single day with them and i think i wasn't like that with my daughter who's now 14 i wasn't like it with her because you know i was i was I was good don't get me wrong i was good around i was more of like a weekend dad sort of thing mm. but whereas now I'm, I'm a dad every single day every minute mm. of every day so the way our parent has transformed. And I think the fact I can we can as a family, with my new wife, um, who's Kay, who's Kirsty, who's yeah. the one I met, um we are we are both non-drinkers and we both smash the arse out of it because we have all of these kids between us and we don't even really, you know, it's just a little, mainly because my missus, but it's a well-oiled machine. And it's rather than you see all these people with two kids that are sort of screaming, shouting and you know, it's, it, yeah, a lot of the time is down to sort of tiredness or yeah, you know, drinking or recovering from drinking or whatever. But yeah, it's amazing what you can do as a human when you stop drinking, and it's really more amazing how you compare it. And it's even more amazing when there's two of you that do it because um, you feel like you, you can sort of take
1: on the world. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, can I just ask you a bit more about your experience with spiritualist? Um, it sounds fascinating, particularly as you say, oh, you were the sort of person who thought that was all. Bullshit. Um, often it takes a sort of a crisis in our life, though, doesn't it, to sort of in- look at things that you w- weren't prepared to look at before because you kind of do it. I mean, with me, things like Alcoholics Anonymous, therapy, all of that stuff, I was just out of sheer desperation because I didn't know what else was going to work. So I'm fascinated about what you know. Well, what, what is a spiritualist, and, and what was your experience more specifically? Yeah.
0: So my mum and my sister used to go sort of periodically to this woman or man or whatever or a show there's loads of different formats of it uh, and it's one of them ones you turn up you, don't, you know they don't know you you don't know them and they'll tell you that and I I used to wind them up and be like oh would they tell you your nan's died or whatever or, your nan <laughs> wants to speak to you or something pretty obvious do you know what I mean I thought it was just like a load of nonsense and then they used to come back sometimes in floods of tears and they'd be like oh he said this and something really personal or something that you only you would know and I was like I still I don't know I suppose I was probably scared of believing it at the time um so when it came to what happened to me I was like at desperation I thought you know what I've got nothing to lose here and a few people had mentioned going so I just booked an appointment and when I went I was sort of felt quite instantly kind of comfortable in this woman's presence she didn't know who i was just knew my first name um and then she took me into this room he had half an hour and she put a half an hour on like a digital timer uh, and then she started reading these cards she'd written a letter to me that she, like before just based on like telepathic thoughts or something um but she had like a front and back of a of a a4 bit of paper which i've still got in my bedroom i still keep it um, and it, that was just more about general me, about me and like what I should do, how I behave. And, you know, it was quite interesting. That was what she started with. Then she started reading cards. Uh, and then I was sort of, I didn't want to tell her because she, she didn't know anything about it. Um, so I was just playing like poker face because I thought, see if she she knows that my son's died because that, that is a curveball that you wouldn't normally mm. obviously see. And then, uh, yeah, she was going, I've got someone behind you something like someone's behind it trying to tell me something. It's it's your, it's your great nan or something. She's holding, she's holding something. She's trying to show you. She's trying to show you. And I was like, what is it? And she was like, I think it's a baby. And I was like, fuck. And I, I just like, burst up crying. And she was like, it's your son. And uh, I was like, wow. Um, and then, yeah, that, that was the moment where I was like, okay, this is real. Um, and she was like, so reassuring about it all and so like calm and just normal about it. She mm-hmm. weren't a big deal to her. Uh, and the way she was talking, oh yeah, he's been here before. He wants you to know he's all right. that He's being looked after. She's pointing him at you saying, don't worry, he's looking out, I'm looking after him. And I was just like, wow. And I, and the weird thing was at the end of the half an hour, it sort of felt like a blink of an eye. As the alarm went off. I was sort of, she was holding my hand cause I was crying. And she was, and I said to her, do you know what? It's the first time I have felt like any sort of relief. Um And, I said when can i come back to you is it something that i can come back to like is it one of them sort of services that because I, I can i feel good and she just held my hand and looked at me and she said don't worry if we need to cut if we need you again we'll come to you and um that then obviously fast forward when i was on my ass outside the bar in regent street this guy come up to me out of nowhere and uh it only occurred to me sort of weeks later after that had happened i was like, oh my god that's what she meant um wow. they'll come back to me so yeah that and that now so that it's not i haven't been back to them at all or anything but now that's open door to me to sort of practice spirituality gratitude manifestation visualization meditation um and i do it now and i believe
1: in it and i've just done it actually this morning um so it's powerful stuff really powerful it's amazing mate um So how how else have you changed your life? You talked about your previous career in a sort of a corporate world. Now, of course, you do all sorts of different things, uh, including – I know you're an author, but you're also an alcohol-free coach. Tell us a bit about that work and and just how you basically decided to change the fundamentals of your life.
0: Yeah, I think what I realised, when I started my Better Life Guy Instagram – it took off quite quickly and I thought there's something in this, but I didn't know how I could, if I, if I could, or how I could make a living out of it. Mm. But I knew that I wanted to follow it and pursue it. So I had a job at the time and I was just doing stuff on the side. So I'd, I remember holding an event. My first ever sort of thing that got me noticed was I held an event in London and I was just, cause I was based in London. I was like walking around and I'm thinking, what can I do in London? That's an event that's interesting that people would want to come to. So I saw a boat and I was like, I want to do a boat party because actually, That's quite a cool thing to do. It's quite different. I don't think any sober people do a boat party. Mm. If I call it like a no booze cruise. Um, And I did it and I I only promoted it from Instagram. And I only had about, I don't know, 8,000, maybe 10.
1: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ.
0: Thousand followers at the time, and I sold it out. And I was like, "Fucking, I was a hundred people." So I thought, "There's obviously an interest in this stuff." So then, I that sort of gave me the confidence to sort of carry on going with it. It gave me confidence to sort of build more content, create more content. So I did, and then I did another. Like people wanted the boat party again, so I did another one. But I got a bigger boat, got two hundred people, and then they sold that out. um I was like, "Okay, so I'm in this." So th- th- then I started writing a book because I was like. Had because obviously my journey's been quite traumatic and it's been quite deep and it's been a bit of a journey of two halves, I just wanted to share it. And I'm not Mm. a writer, I didn't do very well at school, and I thought there's no chance I'm ever going to write a book. But when I started writing on my laptop, it just sort of fell out of me and um, it felt quite natural and it felt quite cathartic as well because I was processing it all as I was writing it and recalling it. So that that I doing that all while I was still at work um still doing a day job so I did that and then once the book came out I'd put into all all my spare time into that I sort of had this free time so I decided then to train as a coach and one of the guys who would inspire me in the first place was a guy called Andy Ramage um who who was doing alcohol-free coach courses uh so I spoke to him and got on that did that for sort of nine months So I thought, okay, so at least I'm building these things. I've got like, I do events, I sort of, I've got a book, I've got, Mm. I'm going to be a coach. And so as I started doing these things, it was becoming clear that I could make a living out of it. Um, But just the problem was, I had a good living as in a job. So I knew money wise, it was going to have to be a big dent. Mm. But the more I did it, the more I realized I was sort of giving back to others rather than being a bod uh, where you're not getting any sort of, you're not giving any help to others, you're sort of taking from others, really. Mm. i thought okay i'm prepared to, and at the same time my lifestyle obviously you know when you're when you're out in the west end a few times a week you know drinking sniffing and doing whatever else you know when you stop doing that you, you notice you've got a few more quid yeah, yeah. Uh, so so then i was like okay, i'm spending a lot less um and actually i feel a lot better and actually i don't do much in life now so i don't need that money so i in april last year 2022 i uh I left my career behind and just start, I wanted to start something big. So I started the dry app um, and sort of, I needed six months of sort of building that. So I I did that last year and that came out in October. um, And I co-founded that with Andy Ramage, who was like my original inspiration, ended up being a bit of a mentor, ended up doing the coaching with him. And now he's probably my best mate, talk to him every day. um, And we just have a great laugh together. And also we just happen to be a real good partnership when it comes to what we offer um, and then we co-founded the the dry app, which yeah, like I said, that's been the biggest thing I've done so far. And the, and this is something that we're su- super excited about because it's it looks good, it's free, it enables us to help people around the world, and it's something we're going to scale up in a big way. Um, mm-hmm. But already, it's got eight thousand people in there, and it's only been out for like four four months. Um, so it's a decent number to start with, but we're we're just getting warmed up, really, and just kind of make tinkering
1: with the formula, making sure that everyone's happy with it and it works, and then we'll start really going for it. So tell us a bit more about it and and what it gives to you once you once you've got it.
0: So yeah, it's a free app, and the whole point of it was my background sort of fashion retail, and I'm quite into sort of aesthetics. Mm. And Andy's got a real long history in the world of alcohol free, and we both had sort of a big vision mine was to go and do something on a global stage that's going to like change the world and his was to change the world's relationship with alcohol so we sort of had these two big global whys if you like which is why it's driver two whys um so it's d-r-y-y for anyone listening um and yeah so I, i put a lot of time and effort into making it look really good and also building it, f- we want it to be fun, positive, vibrant. Because to me, there's nothing worse than an app that just you go on once and it's just stale, it's stagnant. And it's the same shit that you see every time. Yeah, so this is like, this changes every day. There's new videos, there's live videos in there every morning. There's live videos in there every evening. There's uh, groups in there that you can be part of from, and we, we're inclusive as well. So it's there's, there's mostly dry people which people that drink as well, but they're mostly dry. There's tactical breakers, which people that obviously take a month off here and there or six months off here and there. And then there's 100% dry. So we're all inclusive to anyone. Um, we run challenges every month. So if you want to get take part in Feb and you want to go dry for Feb, come on board. It's all for free as well. Um, there's helpful videos in there. You can make friends in there. But the biggest thing for me really is like that whole offline online offline thing Mm. so we're, we're doing a lot we're getting out and seeing a lot of people and going to a lot of places and doing a lot of events and this is again we're trying to keep it as free as possible so we we've just been to scotland and just turned up in edinburgh we just put on the app who's in edinburgh we had 45 people come meet us and we all went for a walk that's, a simple, like, that's all we did. Nice. And then a coffee afterwards. Yeah. Um, I had to catch up with everyone in the community. And then what happened then was loads of the Edinburgh crew got to know each other and they sort of spurred off on their own as well. And then we went to Glasgow the next day, did the same thing. We're going to Ireland next month. We're going to do Cork, Dublin, Belfast – same thing. Walk, walk, walk. All free, so that we're starting to just build these connections in real life. Because I think that's what the sober space needs. That's what sober space has always wanted, really. But a lot of it's end up being online. But mm. um, with on the back of COVID as well, I think there's more than ever people just want to see each other, give each other a hug, and yeah. especially on this on this journey. So that yeah, there's that. There's always a new event. There's always new merch.
1: We do everything in there. It's really lively, and it's um it's a real cool place to hang out it sounds uh, it sounds fantastic mate i'm just downloading it now as we speak um what's interesting to me is is that you know seeing something like what you guys are doing it's a really it sounds like a really good sort of alternative because aa works for so many people so i'll never criticize it i think you know i've i've done a bit of it myself i've never really formally completed the 12 steps but i sort of believe in it um but I, I'm aware that when people come to me, I'm I'm into my eighth year now and people obviously come to me and say, oh, I'm thinking of getting sober. What do you suggest? And I, th- I think time was when I'd say AA and I could understand the reasons that some people would s- sort of be hesitant, um, even though I was like, no, it works. It's great and i think choice is such a, a great thing and and just like there's more choice in alcohol free beer like you said earlier there's more choice in in ways in which you can kind of recover now isn't there <laughs> so what 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 are the key sort of values of what you're doing in comparison to stuff like aa or what else is out there yeah
0: exactly mate we're we're exactly there and i think the difference is so for example it, you know in aa is very like you you hold on to your number you know you're looking you're back at the past you're clinging on to that that notion that you are an alcoholic um and that works like you say for many people all around the world so i'm the same as you like fair play if that works for you for me i can only talk for me it, it wasn't what i wanted to do and i didn't want to cling on to my number i wanted to look forward and i didn't want to be an alcoholic i just i wasn't i wouldn't class myself as an alcoholic mm-hmm. i was just someone who got into a bit of a mess and mm-hmm. so in you know, in two years, three years time, I didn't want to be talking about myself as an alcoholic. I wanted to be cracking on with my life and working towards a vision and getting excited about my future. I didn't want to be sort of sat in the same place, talking about the same things, talking about what happened previously. I wanted to be talking what's happening ahead. Mm. And I think that's very much the difference with dry. It's like, where are you? Who cares almost what happened to you? Where do you want to be? And let's get there together and let's have some fun while we do it. Um, and it's just a bit more bite-sized. It's a bit more fun. It's a bit more vibrant. It's got a bit more energy to it. It's got loads happening. And if you if you drink, you know, you drink. And just don't drink. Let's, if you want to move up, just stop drinking the next day and carry on. It's not right. like snakes and ladders. You, you don't lose your – if you had 300 days and you drink on the 301st, you don't go at zero. You've still got 300 sober days behind you. Mm. And learn from that and you know use that experience of when you did drink and think about how that felt and do you want to carry on if not yeah don't whatever but we want to encourage people to live it. if if the world could cut down on drinking you know and I don't, we don't use the word moderate because i think it's very different um because i don't think that's really possible for many people but that's why we incorporated mostly dry because actually if people lived a mostly dry lifestyle rather than just a wet lifestyle. Or if people took tactical breaks rather than just didn't take a tactical break ever, then Mm. surely that's a better lifestyle for people. And that's helping, you know, the the people around them, the families around them, the friends around them, also the NHS, you know, all that side of it as well. It's all getting helped by just people doing a little bit better. Mm. Um, So that's where we're coming at it from, really. Although Mm. I will say that me and Andy do live 100%. Try and we are sort of sober if you like. And hmm. interestingly, actually, I was a thousand days the day and I posted a video. And um and I said that exact thing. I said uh, from this day forward, like a thousand days now, that's that's me done. I'm I'm like retiring my day count because I don't want to talk right. about it anymore. I've just like that's I'm just alcohol free now. Um I'm cracking on with my life. I'll talk about it in years. But I'm not gonna be start I'm not gonna start quoting one thousand and twenty-one days. You know, it's just it's not what I'm about. It's not what
1: dry is about. And that's yeah, so that, that's the biggest difference really. So your but your intention is to remain sober for the rest of your life.
0: Is that right? Definitely. Mm. Definitely. I I do say I talk about it in my book and I talk about it a lot as well. I sort of I look at it in ten years stint. So like what I've said to myself is right, you're 40. Let's see where we can get to by before. Let's get, I want to get my own business up and running. I want to feel good. I want to be in the best shape of my life. And then I want to go to, the, to 50. I want to 10 years. I'm not going to drink. I'm going to give it my absolute all in every area of my life. And I, I firmly believe I can be super successful in all areas, especially without drinking. Because I do think like one year drunk, sorry, one year sober, you get about what equivalent of about five years drunk probably or drinking in terms of productivity, mm-hmm. energy, et cetera. Um, so that's what I've said to myself. And when I'm 50, I'll review it again. But what I, what I struggled with in the early days was saying to myself, I'm never going to drink again. So I sort of got this vision of myself when I'm sort of 60, you know, living in Mallorca, nice warm climate, you know, fit and healthy. Mm. But if I've got a glass of wine in my hand, I don't know yet. Um, and I don't think I will have because at the time that got, that was enough for me to go, right. Okay, let's do it because mm. I could, that gave me enough at the end of the tunnel, if you know what I mean, to think, okay, it's not forever. But as I've gone on the journey, obviously now I'm starting to think, why would I ever do that again? Because it's so good to live alcohol free. And why would I put myself through that? I've got I'm too ambitious. My room hasn't my my life hasn't got room to drink because mm. it's just I just haven't got that time. So yeah, that's the that's what I sort of tell myself mentally, although it's starting to wear a bit thin because I'm not sure that'll that ever it's starting to become reality that that probably won't ever happen. But it, it was enough to sort of get me where I am now.
1: It feels to me like, you know, one of the, the biggest assets you've got just talking to you is is sort of like there's a sort of a um such a positivity and optimism about your attitude to life, despite everything you've been through. And it's such an asset. And, uh, of course, time was you, I, and lots of other people listening. When we wake up and we're having a shit day, either something shit happened or it hasn't happened, you're just waking up feeling miserable. I always say to people when they get sober, that will still happen. You'll still have shit days. I'm not here to tell you that it all goes away. You just have to find new ways of coping. My question to you is how are you so optimistic and how do you deal with the shit days and the shit moods when they come along?
0: Yeah, I do still have them, mate. Definitely. Um, What I would say is I've built myself a key. Uh, I've got a lot of habits now that I've built into my life over the last few years. One of them is the gym every single morning. I go every morning. And I don't, even if I've had a shit day or a good day, I go over morning and that's just what I do. It's almost like my therapy, if you like. So I get up at six and I go at six and I'm back for half seven and death, then the day starts from there. That helps me massively because I think what one of the biggest things I've realized that I need is sleep. Like I used to do three-day you know sessions and not even mm. think twice. I was like, fuck it, sleep when you're dead and all that. Mm. And, and actually now I'm like, actually, I really need good quality sleep. And the best way I can guarantee that, um, well, there's a few things, but exercise at the start of the day guarantees me that. goes towards guaranteeing me that. I call it sleep tokens. So it sort of buys me a couple <laughs> of sleep tokens. Um, and like drinking water throughout the day buys me sleep tokens. Not drinking caffeine after 12 o'clock drink buys me sleep tokens. And also the biggest thing for me now, I, I'm really driven to work towards my exciting vision of myself and my future and mm. the future of dry. Uh, so that gets me through it. Because I know, okay, even if it's a shit day, I'm still going to achieve that vision. I'm mm. still gonna achieve everything I want to achieve in life but you can't have the sort of ups without and downs and you gotta register that and you can't you can't think I say it to my missus all the time we can't you can't sit when she, we've had some real shit things happen to us in the last few months that on the surface of it people would be like fuck that's hard work but we mm. we go right okay this is this is not ideal but what should we do let's let's talk about okay right let's just fucking do it let's get through it let's do this well we'll lose that that'll have to go you know whatever it is Mm. um but we we make decisions together and we just see it through and then we come out the other side and when you know i've had this recently i was listening to a podcast about a founder business and um it said many people many people give up on their their business because they get excited about it at the start and they think this is fucking sick. This is gonna this is gonna be like a game changer for everyone. I'm gonna be a millionaire, mm. like, here i go, watch me go. And then it then something shit happens in the business six months in. Mm. And they go, Oh, how am I gonna do this? Or oh, I didn't know that was gonna happen. It really knocks their confidence and then they suddenly jams out of their donut and then they they don't <laughs> do it anymore. Um yeah. or they or they give up. Um whereas if you go into anything with the notion that it's going to be fucking shit. Like look, like the next you know, 40 to 50 for me, it's going to be brilliant for me in terms of what I'm going to achieve, but it's going to be an awful lot of shit in the way as well. Mm. That's going to, that's going to be thrown at you. Um, and if you know that, then when it comes, you know, it, you know, you're expecting it and you, yeah. you know that the day is going to be shit, but there'll be a great day next week. Um, and when you've got that knowledge, you just got to walk through it, just keep
1: walking forward. And that for me, that for me gets me through it. That's beautiful. They're very beautiful and powerful words, there, mate. Um, and uh, I can see why everything you're doing at the moment is thriving because you're totally right. You know, you, we all have to accept that the shit will still come, and you just gotta like be ready for it when it when it does, and, and keep moving forward towards a vision. You've obviously got that really clearly, and I can genuinely say I'm so glad that we've we've met because you're an inspirational fella. Um, what 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 are your your plans? What's coming up? Next, in your immediate future? What are the big things for this year? So, all things dry, mate. I'm fully,
0: you know, head first, knee deep in dry. Um, Me and Andy have decided that this is it. Like, let's just do it together. Let's go full. Like, because we started off as a bit of a let's do it together. But he's already—he's got things on the side. I've got things on the side. Mm. Whereas now we have we when it went up and it went off and it was like wow. And actually, we haven't done a single bit of marketing or anything. Mm. Um, we were like, this—this this could be massive. So let's just go all in. So we're looking at getting ourselves an office in Liverpool Street uh, and just going full-time, full time for at it together. We've got someone else, Crystal, who's on board with us. Um, and that we're, we're going to take it global. We're going to do our first uh, event in New York in June. We're going to see the rest of the UK main cities out this year. We're going to get the numbers up because we're going to start putting some marketing behind it. We're introducing a self-development um group, which is kind of the next step because I think mm. that's, that's really important to mention as well because giving up booze is one thing, but I think many people then just carry on their lives without booze. And I think yeah. that's a big mistake because a lot of people I coach then, go back to boozing because they think well i'm still sat with the same fellow watching the same tv program just without a glass of wine i'm mm. not then going oh i've got my evening back i'm going to go and join a class or i'm going to go and do this yeah i'm going to start a side hustle um so personal development is a big part of it so that's coming into play in feb which is exciting for us loads more events um loads more merch just going to scale it up and try and get the business you know and we, we want it to be and the the name for the alcohol-free space you know with the go-to name if you want to meditate you you go to calm or headspace do you know i mean if there's loads if you want your music go to spotify if you want your Mm. running you go to strava if you want your alcohol free you go to dry that's in the Mm. same in the same sort of breath we're following that vision and i
1: i have no reason to think we won't get there really uh well i wish you all the best i don't doubt you will either the amount of energy and passion you speak with um dry app uh you people can find uh, that's dr double y -Y app and you can find that on insta as well can't you at dry app and of course more about you at betterlifeguy.com and on instagram um and the book i'll put links to all of this along with the pod got any last bits of advice for anyone out there listening to this thinking do you know what I've been toying with this idea for a while now, and listening to Matt, I've decided I really want to have a crack at it. What's your little bit of simple advice for someone who's thinking about their day one of sobriety? I honestly
0: would just um, get on the dry app, and that's not me, but it's free, and it's got yeah. fully flooded, flooded with loads of good stuff on there. So why not do that first of all? But just take like what I would do is take a week off the booze, write down how you felt, and then start drinking again. And then do a week on the booze and write down a feel. See if you can figure out a list of pros for drinking and pros for not drinking. Mm. And I guarantee you, it will be a massive list when it comes to the pros for not drinking. And there'll be nothing other than I feel left out or I feel missing out, feel like you're missing out for for the pros for carry on drinking. And uh, Mm. I think once you start to question all the questions as well. So if you start to say, okay, let's ask, ask myself some questions there. So I feel like I'm missing out. Well, how many times you've been out with these people in the same places doing the same things Uh, is it time to sort of put that chapter behind you what would life look like if you never did that again start you know working that out in your head because then when you start leaning into the pros for not drinking they're massive they get your time back you get your energy back you can do what you want with your life you can become something you can dream again you know you can become a better parent you can become an even better husband or wife um these are these are what life's all about rather than worrying about missing out with your mates so that's what I did I wrote a list down myself and then I was like okay this is a no-brainer um, um, but take both sides of it as well don't put too much pressure on yourself don't say I'm going to give up forever if you think it's too much it's like I did with my 10-year strategy um, and yeah the time will come if you take enough breaks you, once you start to peek behind the curtain of sobriety you can't unsee it um, that's a uh, sort of quote I use a lot and it's true because once you see it you can't unsee it and I think for them that's the sort of seed planting stage then you just got to keep going and watch that thing grow and eventually you'll 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 want to do it a bit longer or maybe forever
1: Matt you're an inspirational bloke Um Your uh, the way you talk about this stuff I'm not surprised it's connecting with so many people I really appreciate your time and I wish you all all the best uh, because you deserve it with the business and life going forward thanks so much for your time mate thanks a lot mate really enjoyed it thanks a lot that was Matt Pink check him out on Instagram where he goes by the name of Better Life Guy and you can find out more on his website betterlifeguy.com thanks matt for sparing the time to speak to me about your interesting and inspiring story and thank you lot for listening if you enjoy the podcast please subscribe to the reset at samdelaney.substack.com, where you get access to the archive of other podcasts and all of my newsletters and articles on mental health and sobriety until next time gang be lucky and don't let the dickheads get you down